pray for Rob. God, would you just give him the words that he needs to speak? Lord, help us to listen. Give us listening ears. And God, would you just give us hearts of worship this morning, hearts that want to worship you and stand before you and fall at your feet and just give you the praise because you're worthy. Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming. Um, we're going to finish the Sermon on the Mount today, amazingly enough. I know some of you are probably thinking, what? Were we ever in there? Well, yeah, we were for a long time. And uh, if, if, you're, uh, if you've been here with me for, uh, for quite a while, well, you've, you've worked through it with me. And next time, Mark tapped me on the shoulder when I decided to do that again and go, uh, you did that once. Because I don't know what I was thinking to try to re-preach Jesus' best message. But uh, anyway, uh, it's, it's been an adventure for me, and I hope you've gained a lot from it. But we're going to wrap it up today, and then next week, hopefully, we'll move uh, into Acts. But I want you to go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. We're just going to read 24 through 27 together. Um. Jesus said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. <clears throat> the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I want to give you a, a, just kind of an info blurb about this week, and I know we've all, we've all struggled this week, but I'm really especially grateful for our uh, church staff and their families being spearheaded a, a drive to help feed the basketball team. And we had to, um, all the church families, the staff families, uh, and all of the guys and ladies and kids and everybody we could rally. Um, the basketball teams were, were kind of left flat this weekend. They didn't have anywhere to practice. UAM didn't have any power. And so we cleared this stuff. We had, we had the thing set. We had this room set for worship, but we cleared it all out. And the basketball team got to practice in here, and then we fed them breakfast Saturday morning. Um, and at one point um, on Saturday, or on, on Friday, maybe it was, um, all of our vehicles, all our church vehicles, all our church vans were en route somewhere with UAM college students going somewhere because the university needed quick transportation and they got it. Anyway, long story short, we were in the middle of everything this weekend and our church staff and uh, staff families did a great job and I would appreciate it if you would give them a hand for the work they did this week. And, and one more, <clears throat> one more, Justice and his crew were at work while all of us were scrambling around trying to avoid ice. His crew was at work over in the children's building. If, I know you haven't been over, or some of you haven't been over there yet. But you need to go into the chapel room and take a look at the way they transformed that room and, and fixed all our walls up and painted our uh, stairwell over here in the uh, educational building around the Sunday school rooms. 
<clears throat> they were uh, hard at work and got it all done. And I want you to give Justice and his crew a hand for the work they did this week. Appreciate you. I'm, I'm proud of our church family and our church staff and our deacons because we don't just go to church. You know this, right? We are, we are church. And, that's, and that's, who, that's who we're being. And I'm, I'm proud of this. I guess all of us were tired of the ice. Amen? Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, and if your family's still out of power and you need some help or if you've got limbs down, something we can do in your yard, um, if you would, let, let one of our church staff know, let one of our deacons know so that we can get help to you because we want to be church to you. We want to we wanna help you get past all this stuff. Um, but to be honest with you, this storm caught me off guard. Now, you would think Carl and I have lived here for 40 years, and it shouldn't have caught me off guard. I've been here long enough to know how this stuff works. We get ice. Amen. That's what we get. And I've lived here long enough that I, I lived through the, the ice storm of the, the 90s that knocked us all out of power for a week. Uh, if you remember that, you know, it knocked the whole, I mean, it knocked everything out. Even, even Walmart. Even Walmart. And we, and we couldn't get any gas and everything was down. And amazingly enough, our, we, Carl and I were still living in the parsonage. The parsonage and that educational building over there were the only two things that had power. And a lot of the college kids that were still here and they were stranded, they were living at my house. And we were cooking soup on the stove because that's about all we could get. And I remember that every time somebody would drive up in the driveway, some of the kids would go, Company's coming, eat quick. <laughs> right. And I, I lived through the, the early 2000s when we got the big snowstorms and it's not been that long ago. And it, it flattened us all and we couldn't move, right? We couldn't get around. And this storm shouldn't have caught me off guard because if anybody's got the ability to prepare for that, I've got it. I've got a son-in-law who's an electrician, Right. And all I needed to do was tell Justin I needed his help. And if I spent a little time and a little bit more money, <clears throat> and if I'd have gotten a generator, and if I'd have gotten in the gas line at Patriot, <laughs> did anybody sit in that gas line? Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm going to tell this on Justin. Justin, Justin was trying to help, you know, and he, and he was going around. He almost ran out of gas. And it, it stopped him stone cold. He couldn't go anywhere. And so then he decided, well, I'm going to go to Patriot. I'm going to sit in the line. I'm going to wait my turn. I'm going to get some gas so I can get back to work in the morning. And he went to Patriot. And he got in the line. And he sat in the line for about an hour and a half. And he finally got up to the pump. He went inside to pay for his gas. And the lady said, I'm so sorry. You know what's coming, don't you? We just ran out. Ah, right. I wasn't ready. I knew what I should have done. I knew what I needed to do, but I just didn't do it. I want you to. I want you to look again at at Matthew seven, and look at look at what Jesus says. 
Therefore, verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the storms or the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Here's the thing. Hearing God's word, knowing God's truth, memorizing scripture is not enough, is not enough to weather life's storms. Because knowing something and doing something are two completely different things. It's not enough to know it. We've studied the principles of the Sermon on the Mount for months. I've, I've poured over them for months. I've read commentaries. I know that they run from Matthew 5 to Matthew 8, and I can break them down for you. I can illustrate them with stories. But if I don't put them into practice in my life, they cannot help me. You see, Jesus taught them because he knew that storms are coming. Storms that I cannot control. Storms that I cannot avoid. Storms that I cannot stop. Financial storms. Health storms. <clears throat> Unpredictable storms like the loss of a loved one. Stroke and a heart attack. And the C word we all fear. <clears throat> and here's the thing. If you look at verse 25 and verse 27... Just, just look at the beginning of verse 25 and verse 27. Look at, look at what it says. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. 27. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. They're exactly the same. Whether you put the principles into practice or whether all you do is read them or if you don't know them at all. It doesn't matter where you are in life. It does not matter what foundation you have laid. Storms are inevitable. You cannot escape them. You can't, no matter where you are. Those two verses are exactly the same. But there are two things different. One's foundation is on the rock. And the other is on sand. 
and one will survive the storm and the other will not. It will not survive. And here's the thing. The ice is gone, isn't it? It's gone. The other morning, Friday morning, Jay Hilton and I drove up through Coleman up towards Star City. And man, everything was just, right? It was covered up. Trees drooping everywhere. Looked like chaos. But you can drive up through there now and it, they're all standing back up. Except for the ones that are broken, right? Because the, the storm is gone. The storm will not stay. The storm. The st- <laughs> oh. The storm will not last, but the foundation will. <laughs> That's why he said, build on it. It's not about what you put on it. It's about what you build it on because the foundation that we trust in can outlast every storm, any storm, no matter how it rises, no matter how it beats against the house. And I know some of us are in the middle of our own storms right now. And the reason I'm preaching this to you, the reason I'm putting a sign off on it is because we all are or we have been, or we will be. And my family is not exempt. I'm just as scared as you are of things that may be lurking around the corner. When I was a little kid, I was always scared of the dark. Anybody else in here ever always scared of the dark? Thank you, but I appreciate your honesty. I was always scared of the dark. Always. But you know how my dad wanted to Teach me not to be afraid of the dark. We had an old church. Not nearly as big as I thought it was. You ever been there? You ever grow up in a church and you thought, oh, that church was so big. And then you go back when you're an adult and you're like, did this shrink? It's not so big. But it had, it, it had an aisle on each side and an aisle dead up the middle. And the way to turn the lights off in the auditorium was at, the, at the, the front by the stage. And dad always locked the front doors last. And he would say at night, Rob, you go down there and turn the lights off and then meet me at the front door. He was going to make me... come through the dark. Uh, here's the problem. Those light switches didn't just flip on and off. Remember those old roller switches? You know, you got to push them and roll them. I hate those things. So I had to go back there behind that little wall, push those roller switches, roll them off, and then I would run as fast <laughs> As fast as I could. I can't tell you how many pews I've hit. Right? Trying to go up through there. Why? 
I was trying to get to my father. Because I knew where he was, was safe. That's why Jesus is saying, listen, lay, lay me down as the foundation. Because where I am is safe. Don't just learn it. Don't just talk about it. Put it into practice. Because listen, we follow a God who can walk on water. It's not a fairy tale. It's true. He walked on water. He gave sight to the blind. He made lame men walk. He made cripples dance. He made lepers clean. He could even raise the dead. And if that's the God we serve, that's the foundation that we need. That's the security that we hold on to. And what it all boils down to is whether or not you trust the character of God. Whether or not you will above all else cling to Him. Above all else, trust that He is who He says He is. And He can do what He says he can do. I just, it, just, just, I just remembered when um, when Amy and David were little. It was the end of duck season. Duck season was over, and um, there was a place out near the Roper Camp, Deer Camp, down below Commando, down in a beaver pond down there, where there were a whole bunch of bald eagles. Roosting. And I wanted those babies to see it. I think David was probably, he was probably about six, and Amy might have been four. And I carried them down there in my grandpa's old truck, and we went down, we got to see them, and we got pictures of them on our way out. The road was kind of muddy, and I dodged the log truck. Anyway, I put the truck in the ditch. It was before the days of cell phones. And it was getting dark. And bright me, I didn't have a flashlight. And Dave said, Dad, what are we going to do? I said, well, we're going to walk to the next house. How far is it? Well, it was over a mile. How are we going to get there? Just hold on to me. Just hold on to me. And I put Amy on my shoulders and I held Dave's hand and we walked up the road until we got to the first light. Boy, were we glad to see that light. But they held on to me. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. Don't lay any other foundation. Don't try to hold on to anything else. You've got to trust me. Why? Well, because he's told us his character. Where? Well, let me remind you. 
Go back to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Now listen, it's easy for me to preach this from here because I'm healthy and my kids are healthy. But I get it. In the middle of the storm when everything's raging, it's terrifying. But there is no other hope. What else are you going to hold to? There is no one else to cling to. He is hope. And that's why he says it. I can do it. No one else can do what you're asking. But I can. And I love you. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't store in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than sparrows? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life, no, no, no. Why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of those. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and it's gone tomorrow, thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, oh, you little faith? So don't worry saying, what do we eat or what do we drink or what do we wear for the pagans Run after these things and your heavenly Father knows your need of them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, let's hang on. If that's just one spot. Well, let me give you two. And we've been here before. But Romans chapter 8. And you got to remember the people that Paul are writing to. These, these people are being arrested, thrown into prison, thrown to the lines. crucified and Paul says to those people who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine 
or nakedness or danger or sword as it's written. For your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And listen, it's easy for us to sit in here and celebrate and worship and take for granted the freedoms that we have, but there are people all over this planet that are paying for the privilege to worship with their lives. Brother Larry and Aaron and Scott are not with us right now. They went to, to a funeral of a pastor that died in Carthage, Texas. That guy was ambushed and beaten within an inch of his life several times in Eastern Bloc countries trying to plant churches. He survived them. Passed away. They went to celebrate it today. He just hung on. But I wonder how many times he read this verse and reminded himself, no, they can't take me from him. They can't take him from me. No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, and that's where we've got to be. That's foundational. I am convinced. This book is God's word. Jesus is God's son. His truth is true truth. And if there's anything in the world unchangeable, this is it. And I'm going to hang on to this. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And here's what I know for certain. There are those of you who sit here right now that I need to sit next to and say, tell me, tell me how to hang on. I need to know because I've seen you do it. And I want to know how. I want to know deeper truth. I want to sink my feet into the foundation of Christ so hard that no storm can rock me loose. Don't you? You should. Because the storms are inevitable. And we need to know how to hang on. Bill White's favorite story. In Matthew chapter 14. In Matthew chapter 14. Verse 22. Jesus forced the disciples into the boat to go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Jesus forced the disciples into the boat while he dismissed the crowd. He pushed them into a storm. That storm didn't take him by surprise. 
He knew it was coming. He also knew how hard it was going to be, and he pushed them into it. And that may be where you are. And it's bound to be sooner or later where I am and where all the rest of us are as well. And after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land. And it was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And there we all sit in the middle of the storm he's pushed us into. And we don't know why. We don't know if it's to show his glory or to test our faith. or We don't know. But all we can do is hold on. But here's the great part. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. Jesus knows where we are. It's no surprise to him. He sees us. And he will not leave us in it alone. He's coming. Peace is coming. There was another storm and they had to wake him up because they thought they were going to drown. And they said, Lord, don't you care that we're, we're going to drown? And he stood up and he said, peace. And the storm went flat. And the disciples looked at each other and they said in the King James, what manner of man is this? Let me tell you, he is the rock. The foundation, the only foundation that you can set your life on and be sure you can weather the storms. Would you bow your head with me? Maybe you're here this morning and you're in the middle of it. Man, I'm praying for you. Hang on. He's coming. Trust the character of God. Maybe you're on the edge of it. Maybe you're trying to deepen your faith. Maybe you need to start your faith. Maybe you need to ask Christ to come in. I don't know what you need. You may need to ask Him to come into your heart and forgive your sin for the very first time. And if you need to do that, you can do that right where you are. Just admit you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. Ask Him to come into your heart and forgive your sin and He will. He will set himself as the foundation of your life. Or maybe you're like me and you're just trying to deepen it. I don't know where you are or what you need, but if you need to come, I'll give you the time to respond. Father, we thank you for your son and his sacrifice for us. Help us to deepen our faith and set our feet in the foundation of him who is the rock. 
come quickly to our rescue. Forgive us for our lack of faith. Draw those who need to come. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to respond, now's the time.
on up. Here, stand up here so they can see you. Yeah. All right, don't, nobody look at Emery, all right? She's nervous. Hollis and Emery Tharp, uh, they put their faith and trust in Jesus several months ago, and so they are coming uh, for baptism, and we're going to get a chance to baptize them next week. Uh, so if you guys want, want to celebrate with them, yeah, give, let's give the Lord a hand, give them a hand. And so we're excited about what God is doing in, in their lives, and we're going to get to celebrate with them next week. And so you guys can have a seat. Or you guys can have us. You guys can have a seat too. We'll ask our ushers to come forward, receive our tithes and offerings. Uh, a couple announcements I want to pass along to you. If you take a look in the bulletin, like very good Baptists, all of this week is going to be about food. Okay, we have several things coming up uh, this week. Several events, uh, ways for you to get plugged in to serve, uh, to connect with our community. Um, we're going to start, I think this week is kind of crazy. Um, tomorrow night, we're going to go through, it's week number five of Faith First. That means there's only four more weeks of stacking chairs. All right, so week number five, that's Faith First. And then on Wednesday, they're gonna, the guys are going to start getting ready for the Wild Game Supper, which is Thursday night. All of this is in your bulletin, so we ask you to take a few minutes to look, take a look at that. Be in prayer for that. If you want to volunteer, you want to help, you want to donate uh, desserts and be a part of that, uh, you can see Mark Robinson or any one of the guys. That's this Thursday. On Saturday, we are, sorry, let me go in order. Uh, so that's Thursday night. Friday night, we're going to have a food truck Friday. We're going to be down here on the, uh, the gravel parking lot. Come be a part of that. Uh, another way just to connect in community. On Saturday night, uh, we have um, the Hope Banquet uh, for cancer survivors and those going through that right now. We'd love to honor those families and, and pray with you. Um, so we encourage you to be a part of that. That'll be in the Fellowship Hall. If you want to know more about that, you can visit with Ms. Sandra Norris. She's sitting right here uh, in the middle. And then on Sunday, we're going to do uh, the Act 6 Banquet, and that's for our widows and widowers. Uh, that'll be right after service on Sunday. And so uh, we encourage you to be a part of all of those things, not just because of the food, but because it's a great way to connect and it's a great way to uh, be a part of our community and, and love on others. So it's a full week, lots of moving parts, lots of moving chairs. And so if you have some extra time to volunteer, come see us and we'll point you in the right direction. But let's pray uh, and we'll collect the offering. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather. We're thankful for uh, uh, your Holy Spirit and your word. Lord, we just ask that you would uh, just remind us in those moments that you are near, that you are uh, wise and good and strong and powerful. And, and Lord, I just pray uh, for those that are on our prayer list, Lord, those that are close uh, to our hearts and, and minds that need uh, your strength and your healing and your comfort. Lord, we know that your grace is sufficient. Uh, we know that you are aware of, of all of these things uh, in, in a way that I'm not sure we can understand, but Father, we're, we're thankful. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to give. Uh, we realize it's just a portion of what you've given to us. And Lord, we pray that you're honored by it. Lord, we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. We believe that God is the good and eternal creator of all things. 
seen and unseen, and that he has spoken authoritatively to us through his written word. We believe that every single human being is made by God and for God and therefore is important to God, no exceptions. We also believe that every human being is sinful and broken, that even the best of us have deep-rooted evil in our hearts that comes out in all sorts of ugly ways in our actions, in our words, in our attitudes, no exceptions there either. We also believe that God was unwilling to let our sins have the final say over our eternity. And so he became a man in the person of Jesus Christ to save us and to open the eyes of our darkened hearts. We believe that Jesus didn't just perform miracles and love people and live a sinless life. And he didn't even just die on the cross, but actually three days later, he literally and physically rose from the dead to prove his power over sin and death and hell and to offer to every single person in this room eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. That's what we believe. We believe that through Jesus, yes, we get heaven later, but right now we get power and purpose and comfort and guidance and a family of faith to lean on for the rest of our life, starting right now. You cannot earn the grace of God by your good works and you cannot lose it because of your bad ones. Otherwise it would not be grace. No one is so good they don't need grace. No one is so bad they can't have it. But even in this very moment, the arms of Jesus Christ, the resurrected King are open to you. For anyone who would reach up to him and stand on his gospel. That's what we believe. All right, thank you guys for coming to worship. You're dismissed.